Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. You are listening to Mist Apex, Room 10F1. Welcome to Missed Apex Podcast, powered by SpannersReady.com, We Live F1. Downforce Radio, the nation's motorsport station. Badger GP, F1 isn't boring. And Summers.co.uk, making F1 tech easier to understand. Today's episode is called I Am the Gatekeeper. I'm your host, Spanners Ready, and I'm joined by the gatekeeper of Room 10F1. Game Master Ryan Ferret Ferris. Merry Christmas, Ryan. And Merry Christmas to you, Spanners. Are you all set? Are you all set to be the custodian of all that is hellish about Formula One? I live in a world of doom and gloom and darkness, so you know, I've got to be the gatekeeper of the worst room in the world. The worst room in the Formula One world. For those of you just finding us, we are an independent podcast hosted by SpannersReady.com. Also proud to be on the Downforce radio feed. We aim to bring you your race reviews before your Monday morning commute. We might be wrong, but we're first. This show is safe for work. No naughty words here. We're keeping it clean so you can play this with kids in the background or in the car or at work. Okay, Ryan, tell us the game we're playing today on Christmas Day. I am the gatekeeper of Room 10F1. I shall decide, and me alone, what passes through these gates. They have to convince you that it's horrible enough to be allowed in. Okay, so they will tell us their proposal within the categories we've given them and try and convince Ryan that these items should be erased from F1 history to remain only in the darkness of the most evil room in motorsport. We will grill them 
the chat room, the opposition teams and Ryan and I on their choices and only if they are able to justify themselves will we allow the choices to pass. Here's a warning. Only the most gruesome and horrific things will enter the room of Room 10F1. Good luck. Okay, Ryan, let's meet the teams. Introducing the first team, which is the Clock Dodgers. And we call them this because neither of them have a real job. From Missed Apex Podcast, it's Matt Two Rumpets. Oh, stop lying about that. You call us that because we look so unbelievably youthful for our age, unlike certain other people who were just talking. That is really mean to say that Ryan looks old. He's, he's only 19. I know you're not talking about these fair looks. Uh, and, 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 and that receding hairline, dare I mention it? The no, ca- I wouldn't mention that. The camera is pointing down. It is purely the camera angle. I, I, I really <laughs> need to grow a little comb over, get this going here. Hey, it's not bad. If I can get to 40 with most of my hair, I'll be happy. Who have you brought along as a teammate today, Matt? I have brought along from Downforce Radio, the past master of disaster himself, Mr. Jake Sanson. Thank you very much. I am going to use that forever, the past master of disaster. I'm happy with that. I can go for that to my grave. I'm, I'm rocking that forever. Bit, yes. of a, bit of a beef, Jake. Bit of a beef with you. It was the Downforce Radio Awards last night. Uh, I didn't get a call for most handsome podcast host on Downforce Radio. You didn't, but then I didn't get the fattest commentator with a big waistband award either. So I think we've won in each end of the goal there. Was it a success? Oh, sorry, I couldn't make it. I'm not the master of my own destiny. I am unfortunately married. Uh, but was it was it indeed drink, was it a drinky affair? Uh, it was afterwards. Yeah, but it was a really good night. Uh, British touring car legend Anthony Reid joined us and uh, gave a nice Q and A to the uh, waiting fans. Uh, we had some good discussion about motor racing in particular. Uh, we nominated everybody for all sorts of awards. The International Racing Driver of the Year award did not go to Lewis Hamilton. Unbelievably, uh, he even uh, missed out to Cal Crutchlow. But it was Josh Files, the TCR driver, who actually won. So well done to Josh, beating Lewis Hamilton. <laughs> it's not the only one. Ouch, too soon, too soon. Too soon, too soon. Okay, fair enough. And against Team Clock Dodgers is the the rank favourites. I really do fancy these guys. This is a Goliath of a team. And they really are rank. Rigged. No, no, it's not rigged. It's just they seem to have more talent on the face of it. Rank rank favourites, and they really are rank. We have evidence. That rustling is that rustling is a genuine tinfoil hat in the background. It's Team Honey Badger with Team Captain, editor of Badger GP, Craig Norman. How's it going, Craig? Great, thank you. I'm Team Captain. This is amazing. I've never had such an honour bestowed on me like this before. I can see your face. I can. I believe that this is a genuine honour. Who have you brought with you to to fight against Team Clock Dodgers? I've brought along the one and only tech man from Birmingham. It is Matt Simon Summerfield. What an introduction. <laughs> That's brilliant. Uh, well, <laughs> Summers, how's it going, man? First of all, I just want to say thank you very much for all the tech stuff and the tech content you've provided over the past year. I think you've made us legit in ways we couldn't have dreamed. So thank you very much, Summers. No problem. Not a problem at all. And thanks for never once, never one time have you talked to me like I'm stupid. I to your face. To, I wouldn't to dare to do face. that. <laughs> okay, let's get this thing going. 
Okay, Ryan. The teams have got to nominate things they want to put into room 10F1. What's the first category and who are we going to? Well, we're going to start with category one, uh, which is crashes. I'm going to go over to Jake. What have you got for this one? Well, my crash that I would like to put into room 10F1 is the Australian Grand Prix collision of 1994 between Too soon. David and Michael Schumacher. Too soon. It still oh. hurts. It still hurts. Yeah, it really does. It really does. This one stings so badly, even 22, 22 years later, this one still hurts. And I I swear uh, it has caused so much hatred and disgust and, you know, awfulness in Formula One, but still festers two decades later. Do you think that a lot of Michael Schumacher's reputation for being, you know, overly aggressive to the point of being a cheat, a lot of that hatred stemmed from that one event? Uh, I don't think it uh, started there, but I certainly think in terms of the way people view him, then yes, I think it does go back to that. Because if that was the only incident uh, like that in Michael Schumacher's career, then I don't think it would have done so much. But because he got away with it, because he was allowed to win the 1994 World Championship in that fashion with nobody having a go at him, then he thought, well, I can get away with that. So I'll get away with lots of other things. So I'll drive into the side of Jacques Villeneuve and I might get away with that. Or I'll drive into the side of David Coulthard in Argentina in 98 and I might get away with that. Or I'll ram Rubens Barrichello into a pit wall at Budapest and I might get away with that. And it, it's it, because they never did anything, yeah. because they never decided to take action on something that was blatantly trying to rob Damon Hill out of the race, mug him off the road, because they did nothing that has basically charactered, to be honest, the entirety of his career, because every incident similar to that since, he's always wondered, maybe, just maybe I could get away with that again. So I think it did kind of shape the entirety of Michael Schumacher's ruthless streak. OK, well, uh, that sounds very convincing. But if we go over to the Honey Badgers, do any of them have a counterpoint? Because at this time, I'm, I'm all in. As two captain, I nominate myself. For me, it takes two to tango when it comes to a crash. Damon Hill was equally involved in that one. He could have waited a long time before passing Michael Schumacher. So he went off the road, came back on. I can't believe I'm saying this. He came back <laughs> on and uh, and pushed himself too hard. He could have, he could have backed away, seen that Schumacher's car was damaged, and um, got on to win the championship. But he went for that went for that gap there and then uh, as a very rash move. And uh, okay, you know, so it takes two to tango there, Craig. I'm, I see your points on that one. Well, sorry, sorry, I've got to come back in. Do it at man. this point. I see your points on that one, but I'm going to give you two counter arguments to that point. Uh, first of those is the great Ayrton Senna line, if you don't go for a gap that exists, you're no longer a racing driver. That's the first one. The second one is something that he actually said in the interview afterwards, is that he didn't see that Schumacher had hit the wall. Uh, and if he had seen that Schumacher had hit the wall, then he would not have gone for it in that instance because he would have obviously assumed, well, you hit it at that angle, the car's going to be damaged, so I will get my chance later. And he said in the interview afterwards, you know, that could be the one opportunity I will get in the entire motor race to get past him. So in that instance, you kind of have to go for it. And he did have enough room to go for it. But Schumacher decided to make sure he didn't have enough room and just take him out in the first place. So I can understand why Damon went for that move, considering he only had 50% of the facts. You've got three seconds to make that decision. I don't think that was Damon's fault entirely, to be honest. He was a racing driver. What more could he have done? Hannah Hassel in the chat room says, oh, for God's sake, that Senna quote isn't appropriate in every single argument. Uh, but it is in this one. It is in this one, darn you. It is. 
luminosity luminosity 871 says you can still be a racing driver and wait for a safer gap matt graf says yes <laughs> and yes i think that's equal that's how other accidents happen yeah uh it's equal parts shumi and hill it is an iconic quote but yeah taking it literally every time would be fantastic i have to say at this point though uh whatever happens craig gets a point in this round because i could see how much it hurt him to defend uh <laughs> to defend uh, that situation from the opposite point of view. So, you know, hats I felt off. like I sold my soul right there. <laughs> and you did. But if it gets a point, Across I, the I think it's worth it. So before we go to Ryan to decide whether this goes into room 10F1, what I will say is, unfortunately, Jake, I'm going to argue against you because although I agree with every point you said, right. that that event took away my innocence of sporting integrity. That was one of the first things as a kid. I must have been 13 at the time where something was so blatantly unfair for a guy we were all rooting for. We were all rooting for Damon Hill in England. And that happened, and it was so obviously uh, out-and-out cheating. And then nothing was done. And it removed Mm. my sporting innocence about sportsmanship and stuff like that. And it caused me a lot of pain. And to quote Bernard from Westworld, that pain, that pain is all I have left. (laughs) <laughs> well it's interesting yeah because the the thing that i think i feel the most pain about that whole incident is not only the fact that he tried it and got away with it and won the championship but this was only a few weeks after he had already been found wanting through his team's actions taking the filter off the fuel at uh, germany and obviously go- the whole thing going up in flames for jos verstappen the almost guaranteed illegality of the traction control system they just couldn't prove when it was being used so they because they couldn't prove it they couldn't do anything about it it was just yet another sense that oh well we got away with that one so now we can do anything and again they got away with it it was just so many things if it was just that one incident then i might be a little bit tolerant about it but all the way through that season there were just incidents of well benetton got away with it benetton got away with it yes schumacher did get penalized for two races and uh doc because of overtaking the black flag twice okay so we're, we're, we're gonna go to so matt and unfortunately mental. you've already lost a point for tangenting way too far outside oh, unlucky i mean that sorry. is that i don't write the rules i just make them oh, up okay. as well. yes you do you write the rules and you're using them to punish us you <laughs> agree with sorry. everything we say and you give the other team a point this makes I'm sorry trumpets once it's again this rigged but yeah. that's not what I wanted to say. I wanted to say just just I mean, like, correct me if I'm wrong here, Jake, but in your initial presentation and now I'll admit I am not the most at all times perceptive of people, mm. but I might have noticed a little bit of a pattern that you were putting together there What was about, about following incidents in Schumacher. Yeah, absolutely. Your argument is that it's not it's bigger than just this. It's oh, bigger than just what these people are whining about on the other side of this. <laughs> absolutely. It's a much because... larger problem that we're trying to nip in the bud here. I've just got to say, the whole argument here is based on one thing, and that's the 94 incident. But then Jake's thrown everything in since then. So Ooh, that's which incident are yeah. we actually Tangents. talking about? No, to clarify here, we're talking about the 94 Australian incident because the very fact that he got away with it meant he could pretty much feel like he could do what he wanted after that and caused so many other incidents as a result of that. So the, the showdown between him and Villeneuve in 97 would never have happened. Don't list them again. Well, 
Don't list them all again. Jesus, let's go. No, no, to... I'm, just, I'm just making no, that as, as, a, as, single, as a single point. Now, I'm not going to list them all again. I don't want us to lose <laughs> another point for going off a tangent. But I'm uh, just too late. as, too as late. a basic example, you know, Barrichello would nearly not have been killed. Cease. Okay. Cease and desist. You have made your case. Now let us go to the gatekeeper. Ryan, what have you made of the arguments and will you submit this to room 10F1? Well, <clears throat> I believe Jinx put up a good argument and uh, I think that that incident has p- could have p- potentially could put that as uh, partially ruining Damon's career because if he'd have got another title, then he wouldn't have found himself at Arrows and Jordan. He'd carried yeah. on with Williams um, or another championship winning team. And also, you know, you've got, got to feel sorry for Damon because obviously he's British. And then also he was carrying the flag for the team ever since uh, Ayrton was killed earlier on in the year. So I think everyone really wanted Williams to get that win that year, but uh, it was taken away from them. So I believe it is going into room 10F1. Yeah! Yes! And with that, you've come out of the negative onto one point. Ryan, who should we go to next? Can I just say, that's the hardest thing I've ever had to argue against in my life. <laughs> but you, it, was worth, oh, it was worth the victory, yes. That, that, hurt, that hurt so much. But I, I scored a point for it, so it's fine. Okay, we're now on to category two, and that is Craig. You ha- we gave you media. What have you got for that? Cast your minds back, fellow listeners, to a time before Sky Sports F1. And then when that was introduced and that was brought in, there was many different things they wanted to bring into the world of Formula One that they wanted the fans to interact with. And one of them was hashtag Ask Crofty. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. The reaction says it alone. Ooh. If anyone is not familiar with it, and if you're on Twitter, you will be familiar with it, and 90% of you would have blocked it by now, it is a spamming exercise by Sky in order to get opinions from fellow fans. And now, for the first few weeks in 2012, it was good. It was beautiful. There was rationalised conversation over 140 characters or less. There were several retweets of really interesting points. And as the years have gone on, those interesting points have disappeared. And it's turned into a cesspool of the, Lu- of the Luminati, as I like to call them. The fans that think Lewis Hamilton is hard done by, Spanish is the president and chairman and treasurer. <laughs> It's a stage. It's been staged. <laughs> and for some reason, these these points that they make, which seem so bizarre, are retweeted onto the Sky Sports F1 Twitter feed um, and are shown to millions or 138,000 or whatever it is now. Um, and these, these, these opinions, yeah, these opinions are just, they just don't need the light of day. And it's, so- I, I, I'm always on Twitter because I'm always running the Badger GP feed at Badger GP. And it it's something that that really frustrates me when I want to see what Sky Sports are reporting on because anything could break in the last hour and instead they get David Croft who, on a side note, is probably a really enthusiastic member of the Sky Sports team and should be down in the pit lane he's championing a, a boring he's, race. He's a proper pro. He is exactly, and you know he does use Twitter a lot to get his facts and figures, but that's nothing. That's another story. Um, <laughs> but he he's enthusiastic, and it comes across as infectious. But you don't want to lock him in a room for ninety minutes after a race with an old laptop. Okay, so let's be clear: you're not consigning David Croft, F1 commentator, no. to room one hundred F1. You're talking about the segment Ask Crofty, and I've got a lot of sympathy, I have to say, because. Uh, they they seem to pick the most aggressive questions to retweet 
to him. And as a perfectly rational and reasonable man, he's got no real option but to keep just batting away these very extreme points with a more moderate position. And it makes for an incredibly tiresome format. So does anybody from Clock Dodgers have a counter-argument, Matt or Jake? Everybody's allowed their say in Formula One. No, I can't even. I can't even go with that as a no. It, I, so, it, it, Matt, it, it, correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like you're kvetching <laughs> endlessly because the weight of popular opinion is against you. Yes, Matt, you're the tech man. What word did he just use there? <laughs> kvetching. Kvetching. <laughs> what? Kvetching. Kvetching. <laughs> <laughs> So Matt and Jake, uh, no. It's form- important to allow social media the chance to have their say, no matter yeah. how ridiculous, yeah, but you can stupid, all, and asinine you, it is. You, could, you have to get the facts right, though, and that's one thing that I caught Crofty out on in 2014 on Ask Crofty, because <laughs> he was perpetuating a rumor that that Mercedes were the only ones with a Mercedes power unit that had the split turbo, and it was completely incorrect. And obviously, I had to go on record to put him in in the right. So, you know, e- even somebody in Crofty's position should really have the facts in place. To counter argument, then it's it's really exciting to see Sky basically looking at an interesting and unique way to spice up the action. If we've had a particularly boring Spanish Grand Prix, so afterwards we basically have to have uh, some interaction with people who basically believe they are in the right despite the fact that most of them have never even been in a formula one paddock before that's irrelevant they, they have to have their views heard and it does spice things up a little bit post-race particularly if the race has been boring that is my counter argument and i hope it's worth a point it probably isn't though and now, <laughs> I, mean, now. I mean essentially might... what, what, what what you're complaining about is that the weight of opinion on twitter goes a certain direction whether or not their facts are correct is kind of irrelevant the point of the thing is the discussion with the fans and of course, they're going to pick aggressive and wrong sounding things so that they can explain <laughs> the differences and they can generate more discussion. So it sounds yeah. like what you're really complaining about is that they're doing a job, but that you already knew the answer. So you don't want to have to sit through it. I don't think this okay. segment is just aimed at people with that level of knowledge. It's oh, aimed at your larger fan base. My closing line will be the fact that David Croft is a lovely man, really genuine bloke, but for 90 minutes after the race, he's locked in a cupboard and he looks so sad, especially when they cut to him, <laughs> tapping away with his headphones on in front of some old Windows laptop that's been hurriedly brought along for him to sit there. And while Martin Brundle sorts out and gets to like, chat with Damon Hill and Johnny Herbert and things like that, I just think are you just suggesting sanity, he should be given a, four you years just... later, he needs to get out of that commentary booth a little bit earlier. Okay, so the chat room is saying that actually David Croft has control of the Sky Twitter account during that segment, so presumably he picks the questions he wants, but I'd imagine that most of that hashtag is filled with, you know, he's probably picked the the most tame of that line, so that's fair enough. Uh, The chat room saying it's to make Sky F1 look good. Uh, Ryan, it is time to decide. You've heard the arguments. Are we submitting Ask Crofty to Room 10F1? Well, as uh, as uh, hasn't really been much in the way of a uh, opposing argument, and uh, also I do find uh, that it is most of the people that put something on Twitter for Ask Crofty generally wear tinfoil hats. 
I think yes, it's going in one, uh, room 10F1. Oh, oh celebrations. Okay. That's three points Ooh. for Honey Badgers, which moves them on to. Hey, hey, three. hey, wait a minute. How come they get three points and we only get one? No, That's a good point. No, well, you, you had I, lost. I must, I must bring this up. Because Jake a... rambled a lot and got minus points. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, he went off on a I massive felt. tangent, and I, I, I took away points out of frustration. Look, I don't. It just make sounds a... like you want to give David Croft a, a MacBook anyway. You're getting to get three points just for wanting him not to have a rubbish Windows computer in that cupboard. You just want to give him a new MacBook. I don't you make get three a... points for that. Make the man smile. He's been doing it for four years. Make the man smile. <laughs> <laughs> I don't make up the rules, Jake. I don't make up the rules, Ryan. No, of course what... not. Where, where are we going next, Ryan? So we're now going on to category three. Summers, I believe that you have been given the category of tracks. Oh, come on. I have indeed. And my uh, track that deserves to go into room 101F1 is the barrier line ball fest that is the Monaco Grand Prix. Yes! Oh, yes! Yes, 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 yes. Between my eyes. The only time it's ever interesting is when there's a crash or when it rains. For me, Monaco is so boring. I, As an F1 fan, I really, really try every single time to get on board with Monaco, the Monaco Grand Prix. And obviously, there's plenty of tech updates available at Monaco. So that's the only thing that entertains me. By the time the race comes round, I really can't be bothered with it anymore. Summers, it just does not interest me. Seriously, only. seriously, you would get rid of Monaco, which at least gives us great onboards from Quali and interesting rain-filled races Absolutely. from time to time, like this season, instead of something like Sochi. What really? you said, what you've yeah. said there, basically, is you've said that the only time it's interesting is when there's a crash or when it rains. You could say that about Barcelona. You could say that about Hockenheim. You yes. could even say that about Monza. Yes. Now, Represent. I'm sorry, that, that's ridiculous to put Monte Carlo into that category for that reason, because you could say that about half the current R- Formula One circuits based under the current rules. It's a ridiculous statement. The difference okay, is in take- Barcelona, you go above 70 miles an hour. Monaco is ridiculous f1 outgrew monaco about 50 years ago that's exactly exactly my point (laughs) under the the current track regulations monaco would never exist it is simply not fit for purpose anymore for me me, it is just not a grand prix that yeah you've said you've said it wouldn't exist under the current regulations that's fine and what a brilliant street circuit we've got now under the current regulations in baku oh no wait a minute wait a minute that's a stupid thing to say no no it's awful i think you i think that's a bit of a poor way of looking at baku we went there (laughs) we've been there once so far and yes the and there's a corner good, the width but, of a bicycle. But, but look at the look at the GP2 races that happened at Baku. Yep. They were fantastic races. So you can't isolate it just... Well, but, I mean, come on. The GP2 races are generally always better than the other Exactly. Races. I exactly. think we can just see that point. That's hardly a measuring stick. By exactly. that measure, we should all go to just Macau every time. Wait exactly. a minute. Wait a minute. That wouldn't be a bad idea anyway. Monaco, no, it wouldn't be. Monaco made Formula E boring. Let's not pretend that Monaco is in the same uh, place as Barcelona and Baku. Baku, where you've got the fastest point of Formula 1 cars, that is a spectacle of... Formula One, and you've got a nice twisty, twisty bit. But Monaco is ridiculous. You you could have a completely different spec car for Monaco. It is so out of kilter with the rest of the season. Uh, but I will say that you are in, being invited onto a yacht 
in the chat room, Summers. Uh, so I would get in there. That's Darren Johnson. And uh, people are saying Monaco had Bieber. Enough said. I'm assuming that's a positive thing. Uh, and I'm, <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm just going to go there. It's worth it for the wet races. What what race featured the the best battle for position one this year? Oh, I'm sorry. Was that Monaco? You said. I'm bored of it. Me it's too. the same oh. thing every year. It's built up every year to be this amazing venue, and I've been there, and it's grubby and horrible and closely compacted and full of money. That you know, it's 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 a tax haven. It's this place where it, it is the archetypal Bernie Eccleston track. He went there for the money, and he got there. It is a time trial track. If you get a good if you get a good lap in on a Saturday, and it's a dry race on Sunday, you're guaranteed to be where you finish. If it's a wet race, yes, you could have a good race there. But the current regulations don't lend to that. You can't fill your, your you can't fill your petrol tank up to the brim and and go, uh, fight your way through like Panis did anymore. You can't not pit stop anymore like Mikasalo did in '97. It's it's so many things wrong with it. It's so if you're going to watch it for the onboards and be like, wow, that's great, then just pick a qualifying session and have it on your phone or your laptop and have it watch it constantly. Just don't keep telling me that Monaco is this jewel in the crown because it's not. It's old. It's tired. Get rid of it. By that same token, I was just going to say, by that same token, you two argue amongst yourselves this fine. I'll just watch it. Okay, uh, Jake, 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 point point of order, mate. I'm going to have to edit this out. I am holding up this post it note that says TR on it. So that's a point of order. If I specifically want it to go to one person next, because I've identified that they're going to be, they've been waiting for a little while. That's fine. And and look, and look, look, (laughs) I even stacked it there. So TR followed by Jake, followed by Ryan. All right. Go on, Trumpets. Right. So so first of all, it sounds like you're just complaining about the advertising, not the actual track. So let's be very clear about this. And second of all, it appears the chat room is entirely on our side. Is <laughs> Hannah Hassel has, has jumped in with what about Senna's races? You wouldn't have that. And Ellis right. has joined in with uh, Monica. You wouldn't have had, quote, that lap from Senna in 88. I mean, I can't believe mm. you would really kick this one out of the veritable bed for eating crackers, as it were. Oh, I like Absolutely. it. There are some great races from Monaco's history, some really, really great races. Amongst the awful ones there have been, there have also been some crackers. 84, you've got to look at that one as one of the best. 82, uh, 92, uh, 88, when that completely transformed with Senna hitting the wall. You've got 96 and 97, and to a certain degree, 98. That was not the easiest of victories for Hakkinen to pull off, to be fair. You've got so many other things that happened around it, and it isn't just the Formula One that makes that Grand Prix fantastic. It's everything that happens around it. Formula One needs to sell itself to the wider community if you're going to bring new money into it. Monaco is the place to do that, not Baku. Okay, point of order again. Lists of things won't necessarily secure arguments. Hannah Hassel has uh, brought up a, an excellent point, which is we've had to resort to Senna. That's almost like F1's version, isn't it? Of uh, <laughs> Is it Godwin's Law? Where you say, right, every argument re- resorts to Senna at some point. Ryan... Matt Summerfield has submitted Monaco as a track to go into room 10F1. What say you? Don't do it! Well, I think if I was going to pick a track to go into room 10F1, it would be Monza, but that's another story. But <laughs> I, I, I have to completely disagree, purely because the amount of drama that's been at Monaco, you have the likes of, I can't remember what year off the top of my head, when no one wanted to finish the race. And, and we, we, had the, we had the likes of... Uh, uh, James Hunt going, well, we've been standing around at the finish, but no one wants to win and all that sort of stuff. And we had Peroni uh, 
running out of fuel. Then we had the the ninety. Uh, uh, then we had the ninety. Uh, no, eighty-four race. There it was just wet weather, and it showed off Senna's amazingness. And then we had we had those awesome quali laps that we've seen from yeah Senna. You know, <laughs> going one-handed whilst changing gear, like in narrow streets. And then we had Mansell versus Senna ninety-two. It still gives me goosebumps and leaves me at the ends of the seat every time i watch it so for that reason oh no i can't allow it fast yes oh Justin! yes we win i already Justin! added the points to the scoreboard that's shocking i've had to take them off okay then and darren johnson says monaco is fine as long as the drivers go for gaps and if you no longer oh wait uh anyway so <laughs> <laughs> ryan where are we going where are we going next for the end of round one we're going on to category four now, which I believe is trumpets. And you had legislation as your topic. So what have you got for us, uh, trumpets? Well, this was possibly the easiest question I have ever been asked, because if there was a single piece of legislation that should never have happened, it was the 1997 Concord Agreement. Oh, God, following... objection. I'm bored. I'm already bored. I'm bored. <laughs> Bored already. I don't know how I'm going to argue against this. So I'm just going to fall asleep. <laughs> <laughs> which just makes me even more clever than I already am, which is pretty clever to begin with. Dude, yeah, no, it's, it's really simple. I, there are lots of different things I could bring up. But in a nutshell, up until 1997, all of the commercial interests in Formula One devolved directly to the teams. And with that 1997 agreement signed by most of the teams and Max Mosley, Bernard Eccleston's friends, and Mr. Eccleston himself, the commercial rights holder became a middleman through which all of the money flowed. And everyone thought it was brilliant at first because they made millions. But what you need to point out is that Eccleston made billions with a B, money that would have gone directly to the teams. And uh, it was the beginning of the end for Formula One, as everyone knew it. I move that we all just agree. <laughs> yeah, I, I was just going to say, you know, everything that Trumpets has said, you know, the last 20 years, everything that's been wrong with the last 20 years of Formula One have been from that one incident. There is no better argument than that. And he's your teammate, isn't he? So, honey badgers, yeah. uh, is there is there any objection? Is anyone still awake? <laughs> well, well, I nearly fell asleep. My, my only, my, my, my wait, only wait, wait, wait. Now you know how we feel during tech time. Thank you. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. Somebody, somebody got some cream because I think I've just got burnt. <laughs> <laughs> okay, there's some salt for your wound. Deliver your counter, to Sebastian Vettel, and say, Matt, can you uh, ask the question again, please? <laughs> <laughs> Summers, what was your counter? My only counter to that is, um, is based on economics. At the end of the day, the teams, obviously, you're saying would have got that money, got that money irrespective, but it needed Bernie to make these deals. So if he hadn't have made the deals that were worth the billions, then the teams may have only got a small proportion anyway. So if we're talking about money, then it depends on how much money the teams were prepared to take. Wow. Well, well that's a fair enough point, except for Bernie had already been running it on behalf of the teams. With this mm. contract, he began to run it on behalf of himself. Yeah. And that that was what that was the death knell 
for the teams being able to support themselves because they begin to take a bigger and bigger and bigger cut because there was now a middleman where previously it was the teams and the FIA. Yeah, what he said, what he said. Okay, I'm going to cut this short. I'm going to go to Ryan. Ryan, no one will judge you if you just say yes or no, but what is your verdict? I'm going to say, say, as I feel somewhat still confused at the end of this, it doesn't I believe that the <laughs> I believe that the point has not been given uh, correctly or well enough. Yeah, therefore, it shall not pass a gate. You are insane! How dare you? Unfortunately, oh, oh, oh. Team Clock Dodgers do lose a point for questioning the gatekeeper. That's like saying Hitler opinions differ. What the hell? Craig Norman, last word, and then we're trumpets. Going... Trumpets, we may be going down on a sinking ship here. Yes, but we're right. If you're going to get any more, Captain. Uh, yeah, I just, it's amazing that I won a point falling asleep there. Uh, yeah, well done. It's, 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 I don't oh. make up the rules. I don't make up the rules. Uh, okay, <laughs> so we are going on to we are going on to a quiz now. Well, I just make a note to delete most of that last section. All <laughs> delete all. Okay, so we're going for a quiz. Here we go. This is round one of the quiz. Okay, in round one of the quiz, I am going to ask Ryan a question. He will get it wrong. Ryan isn't very good at answering questions. The team will tell me whether they think the real answer is higher or lower. Ryan, are you ready? I think so. China had the most overtakes of the 2016 season. How many overtakes were there? Uh, It's probably, it's F1, so probably like 12. Wrong. Honey badgers, (laughs) higher or lower? Team who? Honey Badgers, that's uh, Craig and Summers. <laughs> higher. Oh, it's higher than 12. Yes, Ryan, you basically ruined this. Clock Dodgers, I assume you also think higher. Yeah, a lot higher. <laughs> a lot. Okay, good. You both get a point. It was 128. Ryan, the fewest overtakes of the season was hungry with how many overtakes? Uh, I'm going to go with 40. 40. Wrong. Higher or lower? Craig Norman of Honey Badger. Uh, my heart says higher. Matt, what do you think? I'll go higher, yeah. Yeah, higher. Okay, uh, clock dodges, higher or lower? Trumpets, what do you think? Lower? I think it might be just a little bit lower. A little bit lower. Well, I look at it this way. If we go higher, we either <laughs> get zero points or the same points as Good them. point, oh, yeah. Wow. Higher, okay. higher. Yes, and you you are you are both uh, oh. wrong because it was ten. So trumpets gone with it before. Trumpets. Can you believe that there was only ten overtakes only 10. in Hungary? That's in shocking, Hungary. isn't it? Good okay, Ryan. How many grid penalties did Fernando Alonso accrue this year? As in, how many places on the grid? Was it fifty-five? Wrong. I can't believe you've got none right so far, Ryan. Despicable performance. Honey Badgers. What did you say? 55. Stewart's inquiry in one race or across the season? Across the season. Honey Badgers, then. You volunteered to go first. Higher. Higher. And uh, Clock Dodgers? It's definitely higher, isn't it? Uh, Yes, it is higher with 105 grid penalties. He basically started every Grand Prix this year in Formula 3, didn't he? (laughs) Ridiculous. (laughs) much. Okay, a few more questions left. Ryan, how many times did Valtteri Bottas out-qualify Felipe Massa in 2016? Ooh, that's a toughie. Uh, I'm going to go with there are 20 rounds in the season, so I'm going to go something like 15. 
15. It's not a bad shout. I will give that away. He, he, you are there or thereabouts. Uh, let's go for the clock dodgers. Jake, what do you think? Mm, Matt, what do you reckon? Higher? Uh, uh, that's probably lower, isn't it? Actually, no, if anything, it's going to be lower. I think. It's uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, I think it's lower. Honey, think, honey badgers. Are you going stops. honey or uh, honey? Are you going honey or lower? Are you going higher or lower? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, lower. I agree with Matt. We'll go lower. All of you. In fact, this is the worst round of any quiz I've ever been a part of. <laughs> You're all wrong. He outqualified Massa 17 times out of 21 this right? season. 17? It really was that big a gap. And we may oh, well, of course, see Massa uh, this season. And I, I would imagine that young Mr. Stroll is going to look rather good in his first season of Formula One. Okay, last question. In his career, Ryan, how many races did Jensen Button start? Uh, it's 300 and... Is it going to be something like 315? Well, it's a question. I'm asking you. If you return that in the form of a question, it all breaks down. <laughs> I, I don't know. 315. 315. Higher or lower, Craig Norman? Uh, lower. You agree, Summers? Lower? Okay, and let's go to the clock dodgers. What do you think? Higher or lower than 315? I'm going to go lower because wasn't it 300 this year? Yeah, lower. Yeah, go on, lower. You both get a point. It is 305 race starts for Jensen Five. And, uh, and uh, I, I don't mind going long this week as long as everybody's got enough time because the Room 10F1 format seems to have taken a little bit longer. So if anybody's pressed on time, do send me a message and we'll, we'll adapt around it. Let's go to round five of the Room 101 type format. Ryan, where are we going next? We're going to Jake, and I believe we gave him people. Yes, you did give me people. And I'm going to put Jean-Marie Balestre into room 10F1. Uh, the reason being is that every single decision made by him in any way, shape or form during his tenure as the president of the FIA was completely and totally shambolic. Every single decision was basically made around his own ego, his own ends, what he could gain out of it, and about him basically looking bigger and better than everybody else. I basically believe he bullied Ayrton Senna and Molly Coddled Alain Prost, uh, and basically any driver he didn't like, he decided to try and make an example of. And that's not just Senna I'm talking about there as well, so it's not just a Senna argument here. It's many, many drivers who got on the wrong side of him. So I think Jean-Marie Balestra basically was a waste of space, time, and energy in Formula 1. Matt, what do you reckon on that? Come on, back me up here. Back me up. Oh, no, I completely agree, because again... Let's go back to the FISA FOCA war and let's talk about the fact that Balestre was in charge of FISA when they lost that war. And having lost that war, Eccleston was able to install Mosley as the fox in the hen house. And several years later, boom, there it is. Eccleston owns all of the commercial rights to Formula One and Mosley's in charge of the FIA. It has led to the current era of Mercedes and Red Bull dominance. It has led to the ignoring of the technical working groups, the ridiculous regulations. Pretty much everything everyone hates about Formula One goes right back to that man. Yeah, Balestra, get him out. Uh, the chat room weighs in with Darren Johnson saying, I'm old and can't type fast. Insightful, if true. Is there a counterpoint from the opposing team? I can't believe the leap Matt just made there between Jean-Marie Balestra and the in the 90s, the Red Bull Mercedes dominance in the 2000s. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. It was just one man, one man. <laughs> we want to win, <laughs> damn it. 
We'll try any trick in the book. <laughs> You're really far behind. Christopher Lackey, the, the scoundrel. He was friends with Bernie Eccleston and Bernie Eccleston owns Formula One. Wow, wow, wow. Unbelievable. Come on, there's more to it than that. Six degrees of balestra. <laughs> <laughs> oh, trumpets. I'll open it to you to repost. Savage, savage takedown of your argument. Uh, there is no takedown. You notice that they are just making fun of the idea that the causality can be traced to one person. <laughs> yeah. With- Offering not a single refutation of any point I made. No, no, that nothing. is rhetoric 101, but it is entirely free of content. Yeah, they're just like bullies in the playground here. It's ridiculous, <laughs> isn't it? Just bullies exactly. in the playground. Do you ridiculous. know? Just, go, go, go check it. out. We've got a good idea. It has to be shot down in flames, like what five-year-olds. No, we've got a good point. Do you know what? It's just Matt, nice to Matt, see Matt, some. Get the tinfoil hat out. It's been a while. Get it out. Come on. <laughs> I think we're going to leave it on from now on. With Balestra. He is the archetypal villain in the center movie. He is the bad guy in the center movie because he put Prost in every. He put. He was the one who favored Prost over center. It doesn't have anything to do with his favoring of Prost. It has to do with his inability to actually run FISA as a regulatory agency. Correct. And that's you're completely misrepresenting our argument at this point. Yeah. Jake's. Jake's. One of Jake's main points was. Uh, Balestra favoured Prost. I was meaning No, that. that he favoured certain drivers. He was certain very drivers. clear I that mentioned it was Prost not as, just Prost. Yeah, I mentioned Prost as one of them, but Prost was not the only one he favoured. He favoured many okay. drivers. Okay, Ryan, what did you make of that episode of old men yelling about stuff? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. There's the clouds. Yeah, they, they've not started... Well, they, they just started yelling about clouds, so we might have another episode coming up <laughs> soon. But, um, yes, I think... Celeste, yeah, he is the villain in uh, Senna, and I think had he not been in Se- uh, the Senna movie or part of it, Ooh, then point, it just point. wouldn't be the movie that it is. No, but <clears throat> having having uh, thought about it, you know, he didn't just wreck F one; he also wrecked rallying as well. He uh, did with the fact that a lot of people no think that group B was banned because it was dangerous where the main reason was Celestra didn't like the fact that it was more popular than F1 so wanted to get rid of it so the incident that happened with uh, people getting killed was essentially the nail in the coffin so i think yes Celestra is going in oh and clog dodgers get 3 points which brings them to <laughs> within 1 points of the likely winners yes! of today's quiz uh, so ryan, very much. ryan we're going to round 6 Round six, I believe. Who are we going to next? What? 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 We are going. We're going to Craig, and we gave him the task of coming up with something to do with memes. Oh, okay. So, again, cast your mind back to the the Sky era, or pre-Sky era, actually, where Formula One had some funny moments. Uh, let's cast our minds back to Malaysia, two thousand nine. Everyone saw Kimi Räikkönen with an ice cream. Remember, yes, two thousand nine, where oh, we yes. had the rain. The rain brought a stop to the race, and Räikkönen said, "I'm not doing this anymore." We put some shorts on, had an ice cream. That was two thousand nine. It's still being referenced now. Get over it, please. All these old <laughs> jokes in Formula One that people are using to promote things is so boring. Stoffel Van Dorn picked number two as his race number for next season. Excellent. Stoffel Van Dorn, amazing talent. Great debut race this season in Bahrain. Scored a point from McLaren before Button and Alonso did. And he got number two. And how did they bill it on all media outlets? Not bad for a number two driver. That was six years ago. Get over it. Please, come on, get over it. Wait, 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 wait. Are, are you... still wear a T-shirt that says, leave me alone, <laughs> I know what I'm doing, which Kimi Raikkonen said in 2012. 
Oh, throw it away. Use it to decorate or sleep in. Just don't wear it out. It's so sad. Craig, are you nominating all F1 memes? Because that's the whole no. category. No. Are I you am, are you putting a Samson on us? F1 memes that are still being used that are over five years old. Oh, a time limit. <laughs> that's not bad, but I do feel that Ryan is going to look poorly on the fact that you've, you've been very, very broad there. That's a lot of okay. memes to fit in. Counterpoint from Clock Dodgers. Right, I'm going to counteract. Basically, what you're trying to disagree with here is uh, a joke that runs throughout Formula One for the entirety of almost like a, a, an interesting or exciting phrase that we can no longer use on social media ever again after a certain point. Well, I take you to Murray Walker and his incredible one-liners. If we can't use Murray Walker one-liners in social media in any way, shape or form after a certain length of time, then there's no point living! There is no point in being a British fan of Formula One. You can't just take one exciting and entertaining line and say, I don't want to see a meme ever again on this subject. There are too many fans, too many parts of the world. It's part of the fun of it. Just don't go on Twitter after a Grand Prix. That's what I recommend. I don't do. It's because of Ask Crofty. Oh, well, yeah, good point. <laughs> How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger. Feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. But yeah, no, you can't get rid of memes. They're hilarious. I'm going to go with Craig a little bit here because especially the I know what I'm doing got pushed so far. And I think in F1, they, they guard the drivers so much that we actually get very few of these kind of things. And when we do get one, they milk it to death. There was even an advert with Kimi Raikkonen and they showed him, you know, trying to re-deliver his funny line to sell a product. And that was the most cringy thing I've seen in media uh, at if all. You were, if you were trying to get rid of that one meme, I'd be on your side. 
But oh. to do it with all of them, no. Look I, at I, Jake. I think it works Jake is gaming Ryan here and suggesting that Craig has been too broad and it's hard yeah. to argue with. Okay, let's fast too forward bro- this. Let's fast forward this. Let's go to Ryan. Ryan, can we submit to Room 10F1 all F1 memes older than five years? It's, it's a bold call. I think he's made a brave decision. Will it be rewarded? Well, the thing is, if if you're going to say like all the Murrayisms are going to go in with it, then oh, yeah. you know you'd <laughs> ah, so you, you're you're now saying no to that. I'm so... not saying Murrayisms because they're funny and they're informative and they're, they're part. You of can make a meme out of, of Murrayisms, <laughs> exactly, of Murray-isms. and they'd all be more but, than five years. Old. I'd like but to argue I'd like... a different era of Formula One where it was fun. Yeah, and now it's like it's like you you drink. You drink decaf, 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 and you have a shot of espresso. But who judges? Who judges when it's fun? Okay, so I'd like to just just for once, I'm going to side with Team Honey well Badger. Said, Mr. I, I, I know, I know that you know, you know, I've been very neutral throughout this uh, throughout this, but I will agree with Craig that I think that Walker is pre meme memes or memes, whatever you want to say. They weren't memes. around. They weren't around in the the Walker era. And Craig, had you known how big of an idol Murray Walker is to Ryan Ferret uh, Ferris, you would not, you would not have gone down that path. So, Ryan, make your decision. Well, I think Craig's just managed to save himself, Ooh. and uh, I think yes, having <gasps> having stuff, not the fact that it's got to be within certain years, but the stuff that some stuff is just used so, so much repetitively. Like how many times do you see on Facebook or anything? I know what I'm doing and all that sort of stuff. So yes, it's going in <gasps> nine oh! points, nine points for mm. honey badgers plays five points for the clock Dodgers. We have one more category in round two, Ryan. Uh, one more category in round two. We've only just started. Oh no, we've got two left in round two. Oh, um, we have. I'm so category... sorry. You're right. You're absolutely right. Okay, sorry. Category seven. Again, we... again, rigged, rigged. Okay. <laughs> trying to leave me out. I know what you're up to, Spanners. No one with that. Unfortunately, in the rules, it clearly states that shouting down the MC does lose you a point. So that's our so now nine four. So Ryan, shut up, trumpets. Ryan, what's category seven? Category seven is Summers, and we gave him the task of teams. Now, what have you managed to come up with that, Summers? Well, for me, it is Ferrari's fall from grace since 2008, and I'm basically putting every Ferrari F1 car since 2009 into room F101, because they've had some very talented drivers in that period. We've had Fernando Alonso and Sebastian Vettel, Kimi Raikkonen. How many championships can we count up between those drivers? That is seven world championships. And they cannot do anything in the last few years to compete with the other teams. Um, So, yeah, I am putting Ferrari's cars since 2009 into room F101. That is incredible. Is there anyone here with the guts to defend the terrible Ferraris? Matt Trumpets. Go on, Matt. Uh, Was it not Fernando Alonso stuck behind Petrov that denied them yet another world championship after that arbitrary date with which you have come up with? If you're going to consign anyone to that room, it would have to be Ferrari strategist. I would argue, and you have not made that choice, therefore... You were wrong. Let's clarify. Let's clarify, actually. Are you talking about every Ferrari car or the team in that period, Summers? 
Well, it, well, the category is teams, but as I know, I am a technical man. I am talking about the cars, but the the category is teams. So obviously, I'm talking about the entire team. Oh, Jake. you said cars. Too late. Done. 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 <laughs> Can't change it now. Yeah, I can't change the category either. I didn't pick it. <laughs> I'd like to point out that the cars from the last three years <laughs> might have been considerably better if Ferrari had decided never to take back Kimi Raikkonen in the first place. Because I do believe that if you want to beat Mercedes to the Constructors' Championship, what you need is two drivers who are capable of doing so. Not one magnificent world champion and a guy who genuinely is taking home a paycheck and can't be bothered to do anything else. I'm sorry, I I do feel that Ferrari are assassinating their own chances of competing with Mercedes over the course of an entire season by keeping Kimi Raikkonen. It's like flogging a dead horse. You need fresh talent. Somebody like Sergio Perez to come in and actually do something worthwhile in that car. So I don't necessarily say it's the cars that are a fault. It's maybe people thinking perhaps Kimi is still okay. No, he's not. Get rid of him. I'm not sure what side you're on, Jake. Craig. Well, I was just going to say, so if the teams is the category and Ferrari's been nominated to go in there and Jake's just told us that the team is bad, then we win the point. Next round. No, because what you determined was the cars were bad. The cars were okay. Okay, so they almost the won okay. the world championship after your arbitrary cutoff date. And then what about teams <laughs> like Sauber, for example? You know, I mean, I mean, yeah, Sauber there but for the race one race they were dead last this year okay where are you going with this okay (laughs) matt where are you going with this any place but ferrari so my teammate don't do this to me don't bring an argument like this any place but ferrari all we have to do is convince him ferrari doesn't belong there and we win okay to a ferrari fight unbelievable I (laughs) i love this show Okay. Okay. So I'm gonna I'm gonna we're gonna pour some cold milk on this hot salsa okay. here. <laughs> gonna because I, I'm gonna I'm gonna side actually with Team Honey Badger. I'm gonna you know I, I know I've been neutral for for most of it, but I am gonna really? side with uh, <laughs> with Team Honey Badger here because <laughs> that's the tinfoil hat coming back on. Because Ferrari have if you're gonna consign a team to get rid of, and that's what we're talking about, a team to get rid of from F1 history. Ferrari is a team that has the money to do well. It has the personnel to do well. It has the the draw and the appeal to do well. And it also takes most of the prize pot. So for me, getting rid of Ferrari is a positive step to bringing in equality financially and and, and bringing... We don't need Ferrari. I honestly don't think we need Ferrari. Formula One's better off without Ferrari. Now, hang on. Are you talking about getting rid of Ferrari forever throughout the whole history of Formula One? Because if you yes. do that, you realize there is no Formula One. Exactly. I'm mm, sorry. I think there were other cars in the races that Ferrari yeah. were in. And, and no, there would be no be Formula One because post-war, without Ferrari, Formula One does not continue. Yeah, let's be fair Fun. to Matt. Let's be fair here. You, you're basically saying Ferrari, Formula One can survive without Ferrari. Over 50% of the, the revenue generated from Formula One is Ferrari. Okay. End of discussion. Okay, Ryan, now, it was team, the category, and Summers specified a time period. So I don't know if you're going to let that slide, that he specified a time period or not. Because if you are, you can base it on... Uh, the, the arguments that have been put forward, if you're saying it's a team from the entire history, Matt and Jake have been pretty compelling. Well, the thing is, it's uh, supposedly the team, and Matt act- uh, actually specified the cars. And uh, I think 
they nearly won during that time period they nearly won the title twice with Fernando Alonso and yes if it was the strategist they have had some monumental mess ups during well this season alone and uh, but for the fact that it's the cars and not the team uh, I don't think it's going to go in. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, they, oh, so unfortunately, then Team Honey Badgers have Rob. to make do with only the five-point lead they already have. What, oh, charming. What's round eight, Which Ryan? was entirely made up. No, yeah. uh, the, the scoring has been pretty consistent. The live stream has been watching. I'm sure if there was any irregularities, <laughs> they, they would have been brought up. So, Ryan, what, what's, uh, what's category eight? Now, Category 8 will be, yet again, another snorefest, as we gave Matt Trumpets the uh, opportunity for organisation. I don't rate your chances, Matt, but do crack on. You know what's funny about this? You you say, pick three things that you would get rid of that would make Formula 1 better. I say the 1997 Concord Agreement, which is beyond argument. <laughs> and then yeah. I go to the next thing, which yeah. would be the June 28th, 2000 approval by the FIA Senate of the deal granting the commercial rights oh dear lord kill to me to FOM for 100 <laughs> years in return for 360 million dollars most of which was deferred payment this makes yeah. me want to watch motorbikes now, <laughs> if, if if you go on social media and you see one complaint about formula 1 today what is it free to air television the tv coverage is awful why is that well, there's one person who owns the rights for another, what is it, 86 years? And that's Bernard Eccleston. And if you really want to be technical about it, that vote was a continuation of the 95 agreement where once again, and unbeknownst to everybody, Bernie substituted his company for all of the teams. That's right, folks. All of the teams could own all of the TV revenue right now. But Bernie substituted his own company and the FIA approved it not once, but twice, even though the teams themselves didn't know about it. Yeah, absolutely. So I, is... I say kick it out the door. Yeah, correct. Because basically all of the teams in Formula One, all of them are getting the raw end of the deal. Everybody's complaining, well, Formula One only works the way it currently does because the rich guys win everything and the poor guys don't have a chance. That all dates back to that decision. You know, there were times when you could occasionally have a Jordan running at the front or a Stewart being competitive running in the top three of a particular Grand Prix weekend. We just can't have that anymore. Teams like Toyota can come in and spend billions and billions of pounds, but because it's not working out in their particular way wording of the agreement they they can't do anything no wonder they went you know seven years eight years without a single f1 victory the odds were stacked against them no matter how much money they threw at it it's disgraceful how it's been handled correct get it out the chat room is saying trumpets there is noise coming out of your face and none of us are interested so that would be a good time to go to ryan for his verdict <clears throat> well, well i think you against it <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow, really? They don't want to argue against it. They know it's right. Do we really have to drag this out further, Craig? Really? I mean, it's pretty much a shoo-in. No, they know we're right. So, of course not. Well, you know, we got to make it fair. Okay, Craig, say things. Save us. (laughs) Um... (laughs) No, that was quite quite a good snooze. They can have the point. (laughs) That was a good catnap. I'd rather lose. I was, I'm I sort of hoping he might wake himself up. Ryan, give us your verdict. Beating us to death. Ryan, give us your, give us your verdict, Ryan. I believe that, you know, 
back in the likes of the 80s and the 90s, we used to have the days when there were so many cars that not everyone will qualify because there were so many cars on the grid. And today we have, well, we're struggling to get the the numbers purely because people are just uh, struggling for the money and all that sort of stuff. And for that, it's going in. Yeah! Yeah! Get in! Being boring, he's got points. Wait, what? Ryan, this is not what we agreed, so I've got to give them three points (laughs) out. I told you! (laughs) It's rigged! It's rigged! I told you! (laughs) Banners is against me. Do do brown paper envelopes mean nothing to you people whatsoever? (laughs) Okay, right. Let's go then to round two of the quiz. It's quick fire. Team one is the Honey Badgers. Are you ready, team one? Yes, born ready. Let's awesome. Go. Okay, who completed the most overtaking moves in 2016? Oh, come on. Max Verstappen. Max Verstappen. Well done. Jake, you lose a point for objecting to the severity <laughs> of the... It's just, it's just unlucky. It's the way it's worked out. Who scored? I don't make what up the rules. Of, no. I don't make up the rules. I These rules were laid out beforehand if you you had every opportunity to complain. Question two. Who scored Manor's only points of the season? Pascal Verlein. Jake, it's not your team. So you've scored... You've scored a... You've scored a point for Honey Badgers. Uh, Honey Badgers, who led the first... Who first... Who led the first dozen laps of the 2016 season? Ooh. Matt? Oh, it's Rosberg because Hamilton had a bad start, so it'll be Rosberg. I challenge, I challenge. I That's go ahead, that. ask him what one plus one is next. <laughs> I know the answer. Can I challenge? You can, for no points, challenge. It was Sebastian Vettel. That's correct, no points. Okay, yeah, no point. uh, Honey Badgers, how did Sebastian Vettel retire from the lead in Austria? With grace and dignity. Did he say honestly and shout about a man wearing a blue flag, uh, waving a blue flag? That's such a funny answer. I, I'm going to give you a point, but the true answer was it was a tire blowout. Uh, who won the Honestly. pole trophy? Who won the pole trophy in 2016? Lewis Hamilton. Lewis Hamilton. He did. That's a point for you. How many drivers contested the season in 2016? Uh, 22 plus Van Dorn plus Ocon. 24. 24, that's absolutely correct. That's an extra point for you. That puts you on to 14 points. Well done. End of your quick fire round. Team two is Matt and Jake for the clock touches. Right, here we go. Uh, Okay. Uh, In quantum physics, completely describe spooky action. (laughs) Get over the proper questions. Spooky action at a distance. It's part of the rules. We've got to give you hard No, no. (laughs) Okay, here's your real questions. Who crashed on the way to the grid in Brazil? Oh, that was uh, Roman Grosjean. Yep. Correct. Who scored Sauber's only points of the season? Uh, Nazar. Was it Nazar? It was Felipe Nazar. Yes, Yes. I can see trumpets nodding there. Which team's drivers crashed into each other in Monaco, nearly ending up in the sea? Trumpets. Give it a go. Nearly ending in the sea has to be Sauber, I would guess. (laughs) Sauber, yeah. Yes, that's true. Ericsson ploughed into Nazar at Raskas after Nazar refused team orders to let him by. That's a point to you. Where did Lewis Hamilton finish at Spa after starting at the back of the grid due to engine penalties? Was it third? Yeah, that's that's what what my memory tells me. Yeah, third. Third place. You get a point there. Two questions left. Who won, and by the way, you're four points behind. So who won the DHL Fastest Pit Stop Award? Williams, right? Williams. 
Yeah. Correct. You get a point. Unfortunately, my mouse isn't working, so I can't add that point. I hope I remember to do it later. Cheater. Where yeah. Where did Haas finish in the championship? Uh, they were. Was it ninth trumpets? Was it ninth? They were. No, eighth. Eighth. They were eighth. It was. I was thinking seventh, but perhaps it's eighth. I don't know. I will go with you. You know more than me. Eighth. Eighth, Eighth. you do get a point, and you've closed the gap. (laughs) You've closed the gap to three points. Uh, Panel, is there anybody who's struggling on time? Because we've got one more wild card round, and then the final round of quiz. Excellent. Let's move on to the... I have a bonus question if someone wants it. Do it. Go for it. I'm having to ration my whiskey, but yes. We want a bonus question to catch up. Absolutely. So this is for everyone on the panel. Um, apart from spanners, ah, which X, uh, which XF1 driver found themselves at a scu- in a scuffle this weekend? Olivier Panis. Yep. Oh, <laughs> ice racing with Romain Grosjean. Oh, punch up. I don't have Motors TV. Come on, that's not. Neither exactly do I, but I have Facebook and Twitter. That's not exactly fair. Oh, go on then. Fair enough. And as per the rules we laid out before, these bonus questions are worth five points each. So ridiculous. Uh, Ryan. Okay, so we're actually we're into our wild card, Ryan. So why don't you tell us what order you want the people to give us their wild card submissions to room one oh F one. Right, so Jake, what is your wild card submission? Right. My wild card submission to room one oh F one is Flavio Briatore. And every single part of Flavio Briatore's entire dealings with Formula One, the man is insane. There is no other word for it. I mean, he seems to believe that because he is an expert in the world of Formula One, because of bringing Michael Schumacher into the sport and forgetting every other driver in some way, shape or form that he has ever worked alongside Schumacher while he's been running the teams he's been with or has even managed over the course of the years that he is worthy of giving people his genuine opinion as to how F1 can be changed and made better when he can't even change his own face and look like a decent human being. I'm sorry, the man is absolutely insane. Everything he has ever done in Formula One, from forgetting the existence of Johnny Herbert in 1995 to ordering PK Jr. to crash into a wall at Singapore, the man is garbage to Formula One. Get him out. I just have two words to add to that. Budgie smuggler. Exactly. I was just oh. going to say, I'm happy to give up the points as long as that picture, that picture, and every bit of evidence <laughs> that it ever existed is burnt and then thrown into room. In all fairness, when Jake went down the route of every part of Flavio Briatore, my mind went there. Oh, I, I don't believe I've seen this picture, but I have seen the picture when he first Google had it. his boat up, and he's just got Google all the women it. around him. Under no circumstances should you ever Google that ever. It's quite funny. The the women around him in that picture of him Botox is like, so you're Simon Cowell, right? <laughs> it's, just, it's just wrong. <laughs> so many ways. Get him I out. Would, my counter argument would be without Flavio Briatore, we don't have Alonso, you don't have Weber, you don't have Trulli, but then again. That picture with him and Donald Trump does push me the other way. So, yeah, I'm in. Thank you. This is a uh, politics-free zone because some people whose politics are wrong would get offended by that kind of thing. (laughs) Um, It's nothing to do with his politics. I just think he's ugly. (laughs) So you're going to ban him from Formula One because he's ugly. That's a bit unfair. But, yeah, get him out. Oh, imagine poor Daniel Kvyat sitting at home listening to this. 
there's someone for everyone. There is someone for everyone, especially rich <laughs> Formula One drivers. Ryan, give us your verdict. Should Jake's nomination make it into Room 10F1? Well, you know, it's this. This has been a really tough one. I mean, no, it hasn't been a really tough one. You know, um, uh, you you know, it's just been. He's just ridiculous, to be honest. The pictures, the having Botox. So it's almost like he wants to erase everything that's already happened. So if I have Botox, then no one will recognise me. And he nearly got away with it. But yes, he is going in uh, room, room one oh one. Three points, guys. It's getting really close. There's only six points now between the two teams. Who's your next wildcard? Ladies and gentlemen, if you actually look at the scoreboard, you'll find that uh, the clock dodgers are actually leading by 12 and Spanners is upside down. If you you look at the live stream playback, which is on my Spanners, (laughs) it's on Spanners Ready channel, SpannersReady.com forward slash live stream. The link is there. You can see how the scoreboard has progressed fairly throughout the entirety of the show. Ryan, take some Mm. control. Who's next? Uh, I believe it's Craig now. So uh, what are you going for? Okay, order in the room, please. Order in the room. I can see through all the pictures here on this Skype call that some of us are of a certain age and we remember <laughs> 80s and 90s Formula One. Yes? Oh, we, yes, we yes, 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 we do. Yes. We do. Yes. And we, we romanticise about it because it was a good era. It was a good era of Formula One. But I'm going to counteract the fact that we have put certain things on a pedestal. And if you go back and watch any race between the late 80s and the early 90s, they were so boring. It's unbelievable. If you look back at any, you could, you could go on some popular uh, video uploading websites and you could see, type in some names and things like that of races that you might want to watch. You could type in the year 1990, for example, and type any race from that year or 89 or 88. And you would see two McLarens roar off into the distance and then two Ferraris behind them. Yep. And you would, you'd, you'd get bored within half an hour and think, why was this ever any good? So, yes, it did bring out Senna. It did bring out Prost. It did bring out Mansell from that era. And they put in some great drives. But the races themselves were boring. So stop, please stop telling me it's a golden era because it's not. What? It's probably a bronze era or maybe a tin era. But it's not a golden era. So to clarify, you're not you're not putting that era of Formula One into Room One Hundred F One. It's the romanticising of that period. And I have annoyed so many people this year uh, by saying yes when people want gravel traps. Gravel traps ruined so many races in that time period. Uh, oh, now I've even annoyed you. Are you going to counter my well, my my argument that was with you? I was on your side. No, it's fine. No, I completely agree. I just was thinking of examples of great racetracks that had um, golf bunkers put in aside alongside the <laughs> great corners just to make sure safety was there. And then you watch the video of Senna flipping in Mexico and you're like, oh, yeah, actually, they're quite dangerous. Yeah, yes, exactly. Uh, uh, Jake, you look like a man ready for a counter argument. The romanticizing of that era of Formula One. I have been a person who romanticizes that era of Formula One and not trying to side with you because I have to argue with you if I want the point. (laughs) But I have I do understand your argument. But we have to romanticize about something from the purer racing element of Formula One to get it off what it currently is at the moment. How is that that we can make positive change? How is that purer? Well, I've always felt, and this is a controversial statement, that if we return to the same sort of car design format that we had from the 80s and 90s with the modern day safety infrastructures, 
we'd actually have a better sport all in all. So there is a reason why you romanticize about the 80s and 90s, because in terms of the visuals of the cars, they were stunning, way sexier, way more beautiful, way prettier than anything that we currently have on the Formula One grid. So you Wrong. have to romanticize it because that is where the romance comes from. Okay, we'll go to trumpets in a second, but Jake, I will just say you're wrong. A, because beauty is subjective. My wife thinks I'm an attractive man, for goodness sake. Uh, but I think the modern F1 cars are a marvel of engineering. And when I look yeah, at them, that's I... what I see. And I see beauty in that function. Yeah, but Spanners, uh, I think you're uh... beautiful too. So that argument doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> made it weird. Trumpets, let's go trumpets. Trumpets, please. I can please. I would just say more to the point. Uh, the the issue is that you're trying to judge that era of Formula One by modern standards, and that's completely inappropriate. It needs to be judged for what it was at the time. At the time, it was not an international TV celebrity forum like it is now. It was not. We didn't have DRS to pass. We didn't have any of that stuff. It was a pure expression of motor racing and driving talent, the likes of which we've not really seen since. And it has to be appreciated for what it was rather than for what we'd like it to be in this modern era. I think it's completely inappropriate to judge it that way. And that's and where I, the big mistake has been made. Craig. If I follow that the argument, there's no way you can compare Senna with Hamilton like, like a lot of people do. <laughs> Oh no no! That, I, I... that is why that is why you fall down with that argument because if you're saying that you need to um, say that it is a, a completely different era of racing, then you can't compare the champions like a lot of people do. That... I don't. I would agree with you. Yeah, I'd agree with you on that That's, one. I, I would. I wouldn't make an argument. Each champion is their own person in their own machinery, and unless you're lucky enough to have them driving at the same time in the same machines. You know, comparisons are always a, a lot of speculative fun, but at the end of the day, that's all it is. Okay, and here, here, let, let, let's treat Ryan like uh, the the jury here. Let's me treat me like a wise, wizened old judge, as my years, experience, and Drunken wisdom re- reflect. So I will guide the jury on this, which is to say that what Craig Norman is saying is that when people criticise the modern era, they use a lot of arguments. Uh, from <clears throat> quiet, quiet in the pews, uh, trumpets. <laughs> Don't make are it. you saying that Ryan's not smart enough to figure this out for himself? Juries are smart. <laughs> Juries are smart, and they. I don't know guidance. how I feel about that, Ryan. Okay, trumpets. Keep a minus one point. Trumpets, could you uh, approach the bench, please? Okay, uh, now you've approached the bench. Okay, unfortunately, yeah, I can't. I can't stand for that in the courtroom, so I am going to have to take uh, a point. Can off. you take a point away from Spanners for dragging this out to a long tangent? <laughs> point um, from Spanners. Okay, yes, we, we will take a point off me, and that will not help you whatsoever. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> it's minus one point to Spanners. <laughs> Yeah, great. <laughs> Ryan, what is your decision? We're talking about romanticizing uh, that era of Formula One, but I think we're talking about specifically when people use it as an argument to change things within modern Formula One. So, what is your verdict? Well, you know, I was born late 90s and so lived through the 2000s up to the current You've day lived of through Formula nothing. One. And. I myself find myself always romanticizing about the 90s and 80s purely because I'm a huge Senna fan and all that sort of stuff. No doubt that you guys probably romanticize about stuff like the 80s, 70s and 60s and all that sort of stuff. So I think the cars were at the most beautiful, you know, I don't have a uh, MP4-8 McLaren up on my uh, shelf for no reason, therefore... I'm not putting that into room 101, uh, room 10 F1. 
Hello. Oh yeah. dear. So the point, the the gap remains at seven points. Where do you want to go next, Ryan? And to go to um, who have we not had? We've ha- not had Summers, so I'm going to go for Summers now. Okay. Well, now we've spoken about the 80s and 90s. I'm going to come back to 2016 and something that really I want to really get rid of, and that is the podium shoey. Nothing is worse than a rank-smelling race shoe and some champagne for it to be drunk out of. That was a disgusting thing that the, that just became something that we don't want to see. I, I, I just don't understand the reason for it in the first place. I know it wasn't started in F1, um, but for me, it's I, I just don't understand where the trend came from. And it wasn't even champagne. It was sparkling white wine. It's not even the posh stuff. It's yes. just, it's just, it's just made to bad stuff made to taste worse. I want but, to counter your argument because I think it's already gone. It, it, it kind of went out of fashion in the last three races. I, I, I haven't seen it on a podium in the last three Grand Prix, so it's already been and gone and done. So yeah, you wanted we've... to see, you wanted to see it disappear, the shoey. You wanted to see it disappear, but it's already gone. So your argument doesn't really hold any water because that phase is gone and done. It's over. So we we Ross... win that one. Ellis in the chat room says, to be fair, the podium, the shoey started in MotoGP. Uh, Rod DGNL says, agreed, the showy, the shoey is overdone. And Hannah Hassel says, Danny Rick can do it if he wants. Exactly. I think, uh, and Spanners will approve of us on this and give us five points. What we should actually do is put MotoGP into room F101. That, that would make a lot more sense. Oh, this because... is tough for me because, yes, no, well uh, done. That's, Absolutely. Minus, that's minus points, Jake. I'm just trying to get in bed with Spanners here. That's all I'm doing. Yeah, and, 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 does... and, and had this been, my, I take it back. Had I this take been back. my format, that would have that would have gained you a point. I was ready to click a point, but Ryan overruled and you do lose one, unfortunately. So, uh, 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 Ryan, what is your verdict? On the shoey. My, my verdict is that it is somewhat spruced up what has sometimes been a boring podium, especially <laughs> if it involves Hamilton and Rosberg uh, giving sort of somewhat robotic uh, replies to the uh, <laughs> uh, questions. Yes. So I think as it somewhat brought some sort of reasons to watch the podium... I'm not going to let it go past. Oh, Come on, we must be in the lead now. We must yes, be. Yes, we have to be. You are, must be. To be fair, you're close. You are only eight points behind now. Uh, it's, it's all worked out. If you follow the chat we, room we chat, we put it's more all... things in the vault already. <laughs> there, is, there is still... Spanners, this is the clunkiest rigging in Formula 1 history. <laughs> I feel like Nelson Piquet Jr. I've got to quit downforce radio for there to be any justice at all. <laughs> I can't believe I'm being accused of rigging here. This this must be how the Mercedes social media feel, uh, being accused constantly of, of, of rigging stuff. And so I have every sympathy for Mercedes now, I understand. Ryan, we still have one person left, one entry to room 10F1. And Ryan, may I take this opportunity to congratulate you on your excellent gate gatekeeperingness of room 10F1. <laughs> All right, then, so let's go to Trumpets, then, and find out your final submission to Room 10F1. Well, it's kind of simple. Back in 2013, he had exploding tires at Silverstone, and Pirelli got rid of them. I would not have done so, and my argument was originally going to be based on complicated technical premises, (laughs) but then I realized the error of my way, and I will simply read you the following list. Australia, 
Raikkonen. Yes, that's right. Kimi Raikkonen could win races once upon a time. Lotus. Don't remember. Absolutely. Vettel. Alonso. Vettel. Alonso. Rosberg. Vettel. Rosberg. Vettel. Hamilton. What is he on That's about? the first 10 races. And then you know what Pirelli did? They changed the tires. And you know from then on, it was Vettel's all the way down. So I would have gotten rid of that because that was the best season we had seen in ages up until they got rid of the tires. Period. End of story. Done. I would like to defend Matt here and say that that cost me a thousand pounds. I had a fantastic bet on Lewis Hamilton (laughs) winning the 2013 season and Red Bull was struggling. They were struggling. And then that tire choice came in and I don't think Vettel lost another race. Jake. I agree. Yeah, I totally agree. Every single person in the chat room that whinges on about Mercedes dominating or Red Bull dominating, you need to get behind this argument because shame on Pirelli for basically giving fuel and ammunition to that particular scenario. 2013 could have been one of the greatest three-way showdowns in Formula One history. Hamilton versus Alonso versus Vettel could have gone all the way to the wire, but no, Pirelli decided, oh, it's just a little bit too interesting for us. Liking, we need to give Vettel even more of an ego than he's already got. So let him clean up the last nine races. Nine races in a row. row. He won. Okay, so let's clarify, Matt. Let's clarify. What are you putting into Room One Hundred F One? The decision to change the tire compound. Okay, Uh, it it wasn't the tire compound. It was the construction. And also, the thing is, though, uh, and I think Summers is going to have something to say, the fact is that I was there at Silverstone 2013. I was just um, uh, in Sector 1 in the village, and the tyres were blowing coming out of that complex on the curbing, and that was the argument that was used to change the tyres, to make them harder, to and to then give Red Bull uh, a, a stiffer tyre that didn't mess up their aerodynamic performance. And and God forbid you point out that that was like Bernie Sprinklers only on steroids. Summers? <laughs> well, I, I'm in a difficult position here because I kind of agree with Matt. Oh, no. Yes! yes! Let, let, me put your, let me put your mind at ease. You are many, many points ahead. And that's, why I, could, that's why I know I can agree. Okay, but good. The, that, the, whole crux of, the whole crux of that scenario was not to be blamed at Pirelli's door. That was down to the fact that the teams were doing what we call tire swapping. Yes. So they were, they were yeah. designed to be run on the correct side of the car and they were swapping <laughs> those sides over and that's what were causing the blowouts. And if the FIA had have had a backbone and then stopped the teams from tire swapping and kept those tires, we would have continued to have a fantastic season in 2013. But instead, we got the Vettel bore vest. So I'd like to add to that point as Tim Tim Captain's Honey Badger is that any change <laughs> that promotes safety, like stopping tires from exploding and causing accidents, is a good change. Ooh. And it may have cost it may have cost us a very exciting championship, but we've had some since. So let's all just put our hankies away and stop crying about it. And let's just make sure that safety comes first. Okay. Yeah, do you know what? It'd be great if we watched the swimming in the Olympics with the water wings. Yeah, that'd be great. Hang on. The teams are running the the tires on the wrong side and backwards. And if they'd fixed that, they never would have exploded in the first place. Exactly. Okay, well, Ryan, I mean, there's been some very good cases from Team Clock Dodgers, backed up by one of the Honey Badgers, Summers F1, technical expert in the field of Formula One. However, 
as Craig has pointed out, it's about safety. Do you hate safety, Ryan? Do you want people to die? Or will you be giving the points to Team Honey Badger? <laughs> well, the thing is, there's safety and then there is being like incredibly, I don't know, uptight about safety as well. <clears throat> It's just like the Halo, but that's another thing to go into Room 10F1. But, um, yeah, the tyre situation, yes, they changed. They were doing the tyre swapping. They were also running them at dangerously low tyre pressures as well. Um, I think that Pirelli should have just said, yes, you need to put the tyre pressures up and stop swapping them over and we'll carry on the season. Therefore, Matt is going in. Three points, man. All three, Matt. Why? Nice one. Boom. Closes the gap. And we're still winning. To five points. It's only five points, though. Because Banners is cheating. And there's there's eight questions left. And of those eight questions, it is a double points round. Oh, my goodness. A double points round. (laughs) None of us put double points in. If only someone else in Formula One had ever thought of double points to make the end of the show more interesting. (laughs) I, I, I honestly don't know why no one's thought of it before so we're going as, into... as long as you don't have us with sprinklers i will be okay with it. can we have it as an elimination round as well then uh okay so that nearly brings the show to an end and it does bring to an end the first year of missed apex podcast we do have the final round after this but before we go to the final round i want to say thank you to ryan ferret ferris for putting the show together ryan where can people find you on the internet you can find me on Twitter at ferret115, that is IT, not ET. You, you could probably find me commentating somewhere on Downforce Radio as well. I've, I've been at those places. It was interesting and fun. There was a lot of yelling. And Ryan, this is the most sober you've ever been for a podcast. And, you know, I don't like it. Yeah, I know. I don't like it either. But uh, there, is a, there is a lack of gin in the house. So. <laughs> And how can I end the year without saying thank you to the absolute stalwart of all my podcasting, let alone Missed Apex podcast, Matt Trumpets. You've been there all year and you've you've really helped us. Could not do this without you. Thanks a lot, brah. Oh, and likewise, it's been a pleasure, a genuine pleasure to participate in this. There's something in my eye. Where can people find you on the internet and buy stuff from you? You can find me on the internet at MattPT55. And of course, you could always go and buy my wife's books at any Amazon ebook store near you. You can and find I- Amanda Weaver's links to her Amazon books on SpannersReady.com. I've put a link down there, Matt. Come on. How boss is that? Uh, <laughs> thank you so much. It's, it's brilliant because then your wife has something to do while you're engaged in watching the Grand Prix. And she'll want to hug and kiss you afterwards. How can we end the season without saying thank you very much to SpannersReady.com and Missed Apex Podcasts? Best friends on the internet ever, Downforce Radio. Jake, thank you so much for letting Missed Apex also be on your feed and for letting us do so much within the Missed Apex network, not just with us, but also with Lean Angle Podcast and E-Radio Show. Well, we've loved having you on the network. It is the fastest and most entertaining Formula One show in radio. We absolutely love it. And we can't wait for 2017 if this is what you're going to give us every time. Bang, job done. I want more. I want more, Jake. Tell us where people can find you because you've got a new website for Downforce Radio as well. We do. Yes, uh, we are at downforceradio.com. Yes, we have a .com website and it's amazing. It's been uh, running the last few weeks. It's going to be a great opportunity for people who have opinions in the world of motor racing to write them, send them 
into us. We'll publish them. We'll make you into journos. We'll make you into aficionados of motor racing. Your voice will get heard. Uh, all you have to do is find me on Twitter at Jake Sanson uh, or subscribe to us on Twitter as well at Downforce Radio. And if you're not good enough to write for Downforce Radio, do consider coming over to SpannersReady.com. We will publish <laughs> anything, like literally anything at www.spannersready.com. Um, Matt Summerfield, Summers F1, uh, Assistant Technical Editor at Motorsport.com. When we got going, you were the one thing that made it. You gave us a foothold in legitimacy and you've stuck with us all year. Can't thank you enough. Nice. Great spanners. Every every show that we've done has been fantastic. So I'd uh, just like to thank everybody that's been involved as well. Oh no, he's done a speech. I think my impression of you is better than any impression I've done throughout the year. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, and to our newest friends on the internet and social media, Craig Norman, editor of Badger GP. Long, long may this friendship continue and looking forward to a Badger GP takeover of Missed Apex in the new year. Thank you, Badger. Uh, thank you, uh, thank you, Badger. Sorry, that out. <laughs> thank you, uh, Spanners, for that. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure to be involved in this podcast. It's been an absolute joy to listen to it every week when I've not been on as well. Um, you and Matt put in a lot of hard work for this, and we thank you for that. And, and we I, thank you for the invite. And I must say, well done. Congratulations on your performance in this quiz. You've you've really dominated Room 10F1. Uh, not that it's decided or anything. Of course not. Okay, let's go to the final round. Um, um... And Matt, for one last time of the year, you've ruined one of my bumpers. <laughs> but for very good purpose, in that you left out someone really important. What, on this panel? Yes. Who? Chat room, oh. yeah. Of course, it goes without saying. There are a few guys that have been with us uh, on the Ustream, uh, of which we are very, very grateful. Since we went to YouTube, Matt, though, we've seen a big uptake in participation for the chat room. And for that, I'm really, really optimistic for 2017 for this as a live media event. Absolutely. And more to the point, they wish to award bonus points from the chat room, kind of like Formula E. Oh, excellent. Okay, let's go for it. Right. Well, they'll have to vote now. But they simply threw up the possibility oh, of them. Okay then. So uh, if you if you want to if you want to vote for honey badges to get an extra five points, uh, click yes in the chat room. If you want to vote for clock dodgers to get an extra ten points, then go up to your browser until the X uh, highlights red. Fine. Oh, we're winning so far, Jake. <laughs> Two clock dodgers. Okay, so three I'm... clock dodgers. We're on the fan boost right now. Absolutely four. <laughs> <laughs> let's make this fair three points per question it, it, it big guns now jake of which team are you on again clock dodgers okay for three points do an impression of lewis hamilton when he found out his engine blew in malaysia oh no 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 <laughs> that's not bad craig norman can you counter to steal oh no 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 no, nope, the the three point. No, it was that wasn't good. The three points go to Clock Dodgers. Craig, this is your real question. You've heard the German national anthem nineteen times out of twenty one races this year. Sing it. No, I can't do it. That would be offensive. Okay, can anyone sing the German national anthem to steal the points? I can tell you how it doesn't go. Go for it. This is terrible podcasting. First time I've ever turned down. 
the You're Skype welcome. call volume uh, to speak uh, over it because that, that was That's awful. Right. <laughs> no, 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 no yeah, points for that. That's okay, it. question three. <laughs> Matthew Summerfield of summers.co.uk. Who should get in the sea? Marcus Ericsson. Three points. Well done. Uh, Matt Trumpets, do you remember a driver called Rio Harianto? Who? Correct. Uh, that's three <laughs> points to you. But, I want, but somehow I want to blame everything on him. Jake, how many missed calls did Toto Wolf have from drivers on the day of Rosberg's retirement? Uh, 23. That's close. It was 147, including three Excellent. from Kamui Kobayashi. Uh, you can get half points for that. Oh, no, you can't. Excellent. No, because that brings you dangerously close to winning. Craig, <laughs> Craig Norman of Badger GP and Honey Badger's team on this. Please, for three points, express Ferrari's tactical performance through the medium of dance while humming the Benny Hill theme music. <laughs> there we go. That, that is absolutely correct. That's the funniest thing I've seen this year. <laughs> Summers, the question for you is complete this sentence. Track limits in 2016 were... A shambles. And Matt, finally, what is the quote I use to round off each show of Missed Apex podcast? Wounds heal, chicks dig scars, but glory lasts forever. This has been Missed Apex. Unbelievable! The final scores are in! It is insanely close! Honey Badgers have 22 points and Clock Dodgers. It was a valiant effort. They fought their way back to 21 points. The unexpected wheelers, Honey Badgers! Wait, you didn't award the chat room points. What about the chat room bonus? Chat room bonus. bonus. You, you uh, no, already accounted for, for unfortunately already accounted oh, for uh, so yeah that's in there no. congratulations Craig and Summers well deserved well right. deserved don't much. let them take that away from you uh, and I tell you what we're not going to do we're not going to drink champagne out of a shoe <laughs> <laughs> and I'll tell you what the, the mere fact if anyone's got any questions about the point scoring system or how that played out the very fact that they won and got the most points makes them worthy champions <laughs> <laughs> Bye Nico, we loved you. Two hours to make that point. Worth it. Worth it. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com.